gets it to first. The Browns are world champions. The Rams were built to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. They reach the summit of the Avalanche for 2022 Stanley Cup champions. Hello and welcome to episode 139 of For Future Considerations, live from the top of the Embassy Suites in Los Angeles, California. Survived All-Star Week. My name is Matt. Manny is here as well. John, where are, where are you, John? I'm still up in Gray County in uh, beautiful mosquito country. It's warm. <laughs> it's very pleasant, but there are a lot of mosquitoes up here. You can hear us outside. We're still outside here in Los Angeles. Why not? Two shows in a row, John, were outdoors. This is a banner week. And I can't believe the station's paying for all of this. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what station? Oh, oh, wait. Oh, no. Oh, J- John, we need some help. Uh, Shane Topolovic is going to get a big <laughs> bill for his sponsorship. <laughs> well, we talk about him all the time. I mean, it makes sense. So, John, <laughs> continuing on a conversation from our last episode, number 138 earlier this week, did you figure out the longest running podcast in the history of the world? And can we match it? <laughs> I found a variation of that. The longest podcast that I found was measured in a bit of a different way. There was a guy who did a nonstop 36 hour marathon podcast. 36 wow. hours. Do you think we could buy We could talk sports for 36 straight hours. Oh, I'm sure we could, but we do could. you really want to? Yeah. What are, what are we digging into in uh, hour 31? You know, Burroughs does his 24-hour drum marathon, so we know him, so that counts. So we can invite him on and talk yeah. for 24 yeah, hours? for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, these Dodger dogs are really good. I could eat them for 36 hours. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what, what do they say? Because, Rashad, because you mentioned it, and, and you were saying something about how the Dodger dog is, how big were they again? That's a 10-inch pork wiener. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I like how you had to put in there pork wiener after the 10 inches. No, this went off the rails here. in a real hurry, didn't it? Yeah. This one didn't take long. Normally, we kind of build into it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of going off the rails, did you know on this day in sports history, July 22nd, 1994, O.J. Simpson pleaded not guilty. Ooh. In the murder of Nicole Simpson and Ronald Goldman. Wow. Do you guys remember that whole car chase with the Bronco and the trial? I I remember bits and pieces of it and the people around it, but I would have been 13. I didn't realize the scope of what it was. Like, I didn't realize how, like, that was the only thing that was happening in the entire galaxy during that time. I, I remember some of the names, of course, of like the, the star pupils and all that stuff for sure. Right. But I think it was really maybe even that 30 for 30 that they did. The 30 for 30 specific was day about the car chase. Yes. Where the yes. Knicks were playing in a in a game. The Rangers were in the Stanley Cup yes. final. The yeah. Knicks were in a um, were in a playoff game in the NBA. Yeah. And wasn't there the um, earthquake? And there was the earthquake. Out yeah. west on the west yeah. coast. Yeah. yeah. And then the... Um, all the on the one, same day on the Bronco day. chase. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then there was the OJ documentary that they did. And I think that one, watching that 
recently was like, man, this really was one of the biggest things that's happened in my lifetime. It was a BFD for sure. Big freaking yeah. deal. Yeah. What do well, you remember, remember about that? Yeah. Well, I remember when they had his trial and then uh, they announced the verdict. Um, I brought a Walkman to school so I could listen to it on the radio and like student, like other students in my grade were gathered around me at high school wanting to hear the verdict. So I had to like listen to it on my Walkman and tell them the verdict when it happened. Like it was, there was that much interest even in our high school about it. So it really, really spanned the entire globe. Everyone was watching it. Johnny and, Cochran became a household oh, name. Yeah. Marsha Clark. Wow. Cato, Judge Ito. Judge Ito. The club yep. doesn't fit. You must acquit. Oh, is that what it was? You must yep. acquit. Must yeah, acquit. that's right. That's right. <laughs> and then you know See, it's John funny. Knows. Yeah. Yep. And it'll surprise you not at all to know that my memory of the Bronco Chase is connected to food. Of course. Dodger dogs. <laughs> so my brother and I were home. My parents were, I think, on vacation in Ontario. We lived in BC at the time. So my brother and I made two pizzas and we had one cooling on the kitchen table upstairs. We were downstairs watching the chase. My brother went upstairs to go get more pizza. And he goes, OK, stop screwing around. Where did you put the second pizza? And I said, I didn't touch the second pizza. Our two dogs had gotten up onto the kitchen table and eaten an entire pizza and were then sound asleep under the table. <laughs> well, that sounds like you. So no wonder they're your oh, dogs, right? Funny. <laughs> you would do funny. the exact same thing, Rashad. <laughs> wow, that's um, wild. Wow. That is wild. 1994. Yeah, getting old. On right? this day. We're getting old. Not guilty. Wow. Well, this is the episode we like to call the OT, our second podcast of the week. Yeah, if you want to listen to some epic debate, and I mean epic, you're going to get to go back to episode 138. We talked about how Manny was wrong about Juan Soto. Easy. We talked about how John was wrong about Charlie Montoya, and we all thought Johnny Goudreau was an idiot. So go back and listen to that one. That was the earlier episode of the week, episode 138. And since we're starting the second half of the baseball season after the All-Star break, we thought we'd talk some baseball. This guy is a baseball columnist and podcaster with the Toronto Star and the former voice of the Blue Jays. He's also an award-winning journalist, having won the John Cerruti Award from the Baseball Writers Association of America for being an all-around good guy. He's also won an award named after one of our former guests, the Bob Elliott Media Recognition Award from Baseball Canada. The University of Toronto grad is talking baseball and Blue Jays on his must-listen-to podcast called Deep Left Field. Please welcome to For Future Considerations, Mike Wilner. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having me. Thanks for the lovely introduction. That's, uh, that's um, I don't know that I'm worthy of all of that but i appreciate it a great deal i'm told that you're an all-around good guy so you're very deserving of the john suruti awards so that was a really nice that was really nice to get from uh from the baseball writers association it meant a lot they had no idea i'd be joining them a few months later but uh (laughs) but it was pretty cool and the baseball canada recognition was amazing as well i love that organization and you know i've worked with them for years and years and years and they're just wonderful uh, and Bob's a good, an all-around good guy, I should say, too, as Bob's well. Bob's right? Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, hey, we have a lot to talk about with this year's crop of Blue Jays, uh, but let's start with your career. When did you get the bug 
to decide that sports broadcasting was the career I was going to pursue. I mean, I never really thought of it as a career that you could actually pursue and and make a living in. You know, it was it was just sort of a fun side thing while I was in university, and and I never really. Um, I wasn't thinking about it on the way in to university either. Coming out of high school, I figured I would be a lawyer or an accountant or something, you know, uh, exciting like that. Um, <laughs> but I started working for the radio station at the University of Toronto in uh, my first year and just sort of grew from there. And after the after first year, I thought I really would like to... Um, see where I can take this and I went to um, I called every short season minor league team in North America in the in the uh, back then there was a, a league called the New York Penn League which was basically southern Ontario and western New York and uh, I guess upstate New York and and uh, a little bit farther east um, and the Northwest League out where Vancouver plays and and, and all that and, and I got one bite from Welland and they said you can, you know, we're broadcasting 30 games on a country music radio station. And uh, if you can get here yourself to, to all 30 of the games, then we will put you in the second chair. We're not going to pay anything, but come do it if you want. So I did. And, and that was amazing. And then went back to school and worked uh, for the university and called uh university hockey and basketball and football and uh volleyball did a water polo game once um <laughs> and and uh you know went back to baseball uh after i graduated and um it just sort of you know it's a super long story but um i you know i wonder even then in 1995 when um when I went to the Double A Eastern League and and did the pre and post game show for the uh, Twins Double A team for again also for free, um, I I guess I kind of thought maybe that it could be a career at that point, but never um, more than just you know I don't know I never thought I could make any money doing play by play anywhere. Um, it just it, it always seemed like this too big a reach to be able to do it for a living uh, up until I guess I got the job in in 2001 at the fan after working at 680 news which is like the all-news radio station here in Toronto for five or six years how was it by the way going through class a double a just like a ball player right yeah, except it was Class A in 1989, and then nothing for six years, and then Double A in '95, and then back to A ball for a weekly broadcast in '97. Um, but it was fun, you know. Those the I was I was the player's age at the time, and we're all sort of working towards the same thing, and and you get to see really cool stuff, and you get to uh, get really terrific stories, and and. Uh, you know, I wasn't ever in the real grind because I never did a full minor league season where you're doing every game, right? I did 30 in 89 in A-ball, and, and uh, I was only, um, 
And when I did that, the Twins Farm team in AA, I thought that I was going to be on site, but it turned out I wasn't. After they gave me the job, they told me, no, 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 you're going to engineer from the studio, which I had no idea how to do. <laughs> um, so I was only at one game that entire uh, two months that I was there um, before 680 called me with a job that actually paid money, and, and I came back home. Uh, and then in 97, it was in A-ball again, but it was only once a week. We only did Monday nights. So I was never really in that grind, but um, it's still, I mean, just to, to be that immersed in baseball and, and to be calling games at whatever level, is it's just so much fun. It's still a grind, though, Mike. Like, you worked one job, and then you're trying to pursue this other avenue, right? It, it's still a grind. Did How yeah. was calling water polo, speaking of a grind? <laughs> that was public address announcing, but that was nuts. I mean, the U of T, like, um, I was sort of the the uh, the announcer for the University of Toronto once um, once the radio station stopped doing sports. So I was like a, a minor official and an announcer in uh, all that stuff. And I used to just spend every weekend in the fall and winter at the uh, the old athletic center. And doing whether it was basketball or whether it was volleyball and, and hockey. Um, and then there was one day where they said, uh, do you want to announce the water polo? And I was like, why not? Sure. <laughs> I have no idea what, what's going on or what's happening, but whatever you want me to do, sure. So that was, uh, we, you know, we sat poolside and uh, announced the goals and the substitutions and uh, for like six people, and it was amazing. Through all that, you ended up starting calling play-by-play for the Blue Jays games in 2014. However, before that, did I hear you were at the Winter Olympics at 2010? Yeah, yeah. I was part of that the big um, consortium, right, between Rogers yeah. and Bell, where TSN sent everybody and Sportsnet sent everybody. And uh, I was up in um, Whistler for the Olympics in 2010, so I got to cover all the sliding stuff and um, some of the Alpine. Uh, it was mostly, mostly what I did was the sliding, uh, the, the, um, you know, the luge and the bobsled the and the skeleton, skeleton and that yeah, stuff. And yeah. it was phenomenal. It was an, an incredible experience to be up there. Is that one of your highlights for sure? Oh yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. It's the only Olympics I've ever been to. And it was, it was just, it was just amazing. It really was. Following up on that amazing experience, calling Blue Jays games, I heard you describe it as as a dream come true. Is that the case? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I don't, I don't know. You're not the first person who said 2014, but it was 2013 was okay. the first year that okay. that I did it full time, uh, and I had done a, a, a game or two prior to that, but only like on a, a little emergency fill in basis. But yeah, I mean, first of all, to that point. 2013 there had only been three people ever in the history of the franchise who'd called play-by-play for the jays tom cheek jerry howarth alan ashby that was it um in in i gotta do math now uh 36 37 seasons so i was the fourth ever to do it which is crazy and the first Canadian ever to do it, which is equally crazy, and the only Canadian ever to do it on a regular basis. I mean, Joe Siddle did a couple of years, a couple innings uh, for road games, 
Uh, and Dan Shulman did a dozen games with us in 2018. But that's that's it. That's the entire roster of Canadians who've ever called a Jays game on the radio. Um, it wasn't something that I ever thought was possible because how could anyone? Th- the, the odds are so yeah. minuscule, right? Only 60 people maybe in the world who do it. So, um, yeah, it was it was an unachievable dream, I think, that somehow got achieved for a few years, which is phenomenal. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Tom for my sports show up in Owen Sound back in the day, and Jerry as well. Talk about two giants in the industry. What advice did they give to you, if any? Tom... The first game I ever did with him, I, he barely knew me. This was 2002, opening day at Fenway Park. Um, I mean, I had I'd seen him around the ballpark, obviously, because I'd been covering the team one way or the other uh, for, for almost 15 years already. But uh, I was always sort of that kid from uh, university or one of the, like not one of the everyday beat people so i didn't know either of them well but um this was in in 2002 this was at the height of like the second gulf war and i don't know a minute or two before we go on the air at least that's what it is in my memory could have been a lot longer but we're sitting at at the uh in the broadcast booth looking out at the field at fenway park first time i had ever been there and he just turns to me and he said um the microphones are on, he said. Uh, and the reason I referenced the Gulf War was because he said, I don't care if you're Saddam Hussein. If you have something to say to contribute to the broadcast that makes it better, say it. The microphones are always on. So he's just telling me basically not to hesitate, not to be shy, not whatever. Um, and I did wind up telling him, telling a story in the ninth inning of that game about uh, one of the Red Sox relievers, um, Uget Urbina, who has since gone on to like uh, horrible infamy. I'm not sure if he's still in jail or not, but um, but that his initials were U. His middle name started with a U, so his initials were U U U, and he had a couple of brothers whose also initials were U U U. And and uh, Tom liked that. He laughed, and and so that sort of started the bond. But that was a big um, piece of advice on the first day. And he also, uh, a few weeks later, um, basically said to me uh, that I was there for a reason and that I got there by doing the things, um, you know, by, by being myself. That's why I got the opportunity. So not to change and to continue to do the things that I felt comfortable with and that made me, uh, that got me the job to, to keep doing it and resist the urge to sort of change what I was doing or try to mold myself into a way that anybody else wanted, um, which was also some pretty fantastic advice. Mike Wilner is our guest here. A a great story there. Um, And I find it remarkable that you were able to achieve that and get in the broadcast booth, even (laughs) even though one of the stories that... Whenever you say your name, people bring up the dust-up between you and Cito Gaston. Oh, I hope that's not true. N- not all the I time, mean, Mike. Not all. Maybe, maybe it's more inside baseball within the industry, so to speak. 
um, from a journalist. Oh, that's not there. true either, because anybody who was there knows that it wasn't really that much of a dust-up. It was, um, you know, it was a disagreement, and and we moved on, and, and he was... Um, look, it, it, there's no question that he knew that I was very critical of him. Um after he became the, the manager for the second time in, in 2008 because the truth of the matter was, I mean, he wasn't, um, he really wasn't a good manager anymore and he wasn't, um, the tactics that he used were outdated. Um, the, the, he didn't, he didn't, um, connect with a modern ball player um he would you know he he had a i was a huge travis snyder fan and and i still believe he had a uh, travis had something to do with it for sure but i think Cito had a lot to do with with snyder not becoming what he could have become in the major leagues simply because he refused to use him in games that a left-hander started not just start him but use him i remember um Cito once saying uh, that he would never pinch hit for a veteran with a rookie, no matter what the situation was. And that's just not good baseball anymore. It worked in the 90s and he had a, when he had a veteran team and they would all go through a brick wall for him, right? Those guys all loved him. And, uh, um, but the guys in his second tour of duty certainly did not. And... We just had a discussion in the in the dugout before the game about his bullpen usage the game before, uh, where he you know and I said it after the game he managed himself into a corner that he he could not get out of, um, and he and I sort of went back and forth but it was interesting because I asked him, um, and I, I don't know what I was trying to get out of him he's not going to say yeah I made a mistake, um, but. I asked him why he used the bull. He opened the door first, and then I said, so why did you do that? Um, and it, uh, I don't want to go through the whole thing, but it was not, you know, he pushed too much, I pushed too much. But we were fine afterwards, and look, it, it's funny that it's gotten so much, it still lives um so much on online and wherever this is something that happened now 13 years ago where this stuff happens every day in boston in new york in uh, you know with great reporters that, that just put the manager on the spot a lot of the time so uh, i don't know it, it sort of shows the way the 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 polarizing uh polarizingness that he was the polarizingness that i was that that it's it's people are still talking about yeah, it, I, I just love the fact that reporters challenge uh, the status quo or, or what have you. Um, but you make a great point, which I was going to follow up on. They do that all the time in big markets, whether it's L.A., whether it's New York, whether it's Boston, where have you? Uh, and, and I love that part. Uh, don't want to belabor the point, and let's move on. Um, after the 2020 season... Um, the broadcast booth career ended and you joined the baseball writers of America and started working for the star. How do you like that new role? It's, I mean, it's different, but it's the same. It's, it's, 
Um, you know, calling games is a blast, and it's it's so much fun, and I do miss calling games absolutely. But um, you know, if if that had never happened, this would be the ultimate gig. Um, being a a baseball writer, a national baseball columnist, like that's insane. And I still get to keep the audio component of it by by having a podcast. So it's great to be down there all the time, and it's you know I'm still having these these wonderful conversations with players that instead of relaying them on the radio now i'm putting them in print and and writing stories about it so it's a it's an absolute it it remains an absolute blast like i'm still working in the toy department as far as <laughs> life is concerned and and it's so much better than having a real job i call it our playground right if you have yeah, a love for yeah. sports it's our playground and the podcast deep left field congratulations it's must to listen to for baseball fans, indeed. Mike Wilner is our guest. Let's talk about the Blue Jays. Um, let's talk about, first, the firing of Charlie Montoya. Were you surprised about the decision? I was. I was. I was at, at the time very surprised. The more I, I talked to people about it, um, you know, the people on the ground, the less surprised I was. I had no idea that it had gotten as bad in the clubhouse as it had. Um but uh, but yeah, I had thought that Charlie was the guy that um, the front office wanted uh, to to implement their plans and to keep the the atmosphere in the clubhouse positive and work with the younger players and and uh, have that the language in common with the Latin guys. But um, you know when you hear Ross Atkins say we tried to make it work with Charlie and, and when you talk to the players and you hear about. Uh, how there really wasn't the leadership that they wanted from him, the communication that they wanted from him. Um, I can I can see why the change was made. Tell us about John Schneider and what you know about him. I mean, John Schneider has been in the organization since 2002, and I've known him almost that long. He's he's you know uh, a wonderful guy who knows the game inside and out. The Blue Jays trusted him to manage. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. all the way up the chain, right? In Lansing in 16, in Dunedin in 17, in New Hampshire in 18, uh, and Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio came along on most of those. He won back-to-back minor league championships with those guys in 17 and 18. Uh, and, and I felt like, you know, when they hired Charlie Montoyo, I thought Schneider was a candidate, and I kind of felt like they didn't give him the job then because... They didn't want to saddle him with what they thought was going to be just an awful team for two or three years. Um, and it was only an awful team for one year, and they lost 95 games in 2019. And they got really good way faster than they thought they were going to get. Um, and I, th- I wonder if the plan all along wasn't to have or wasn't to look at Schneider at the major league level as a coach uh, and get a sense for him and, and see if you still really like him to give him the job when they get good. Um, and I, I think the playoffs in 2020 and the way Montoyo steered them through last year, we did an incredible job where they didn't play a home game till July 30th. I think that sort of extended um, Charlie maybe a little bit longer than they, the front office would have wanted him. And I wonder if John Schneider, his... Um his availability for other major league teams played a factor in that decision too. Yeah, I heard about that. I I wonder. I doubt it. I mean, they, yeah. no one was going to bring him in mid-season, I don't think. Um and the Blue Jays could easily have 
done it in the off season if anyone was sniffing him around with him. I mean, he is he's as committed to this team and as um ah, what's the word? I mean, enmeshed maybe with this organization. He's got more um on the line with them than almost anybody having been around. You know, only Pete Walker has been uh, in the Blue Jays organization as long as John Schneider has out of anybody there. So uh, I don't think it would have been too hard a sell to get him to stay if another team had come sniffing around. Might have cost him a couple extra bucks, but that probably would have been about it. <laughs> Mike, how would you describe the Blue Jays' first half of this season? All right. <laughs> you know, fine. Not overwhelming, not nearly the disaster that a lot of people would paint it as. I mean, they are in a playoff spot at the All-Star break. Let's not forget that. It's the first time since 2016 that they've been in a playoff spot at the All-Star break. And it's the second time since, I want to say, 1992 that they've been in a playoff spot at the All-Star break. So, um, you know, I'm not sure what people expected. I think... They, you know, they've played 93 games. Do people really expect that they would be 60 and 33 at this point? That seems kind of ridiculous. They're 50 and 43. Um, we've seen them be very frustrating. The the one and six road trip, the two and seven road trip. We saw them uh, not be able to really get untracked over the first six weeks of the season, uh, where they played a million one run games and somehow still wound up at 18 and 17. Um, I think I think the feeling would have been that they should be comfortably in a playoff spot at this point. And they're not comfortably in a playoff spot at this point. So I think that's the disappointment. But I, I, I honestly, I think the disappointment in what they've done this season has way more to do with the Maple Leafs than it has to do <laughs> with the Blue Jays. Are you a Maple Leafs fan too or a follower, I should yeah. say? You know, this industry sort of beats the fandom out of you after you've been in it long enough, right? But yeah, uh, they win the cup, I'll be happy. But I think I watched one game in the playoffs, just game seven. Um, and just because it happened to be finishing after a ball game was finishing. Uh, so, no, I, I'm definitely, you know, I feel like I feel like the industry really does beat the fandom out of you. Because once you get to know them as people, you understand that they're not just sports playing robots for your entertainment <laughs> yeah, right yeah. and i think a lot of fans need to only see them that way yeah um speaking of uh champions uh i think the toronto fans are just desperate for a champion but how about all this talk of late of getting the home run derby champ in toronto do you buy that juan soto could be going to toronto I mean, they could certainly put a package together to get him. It would be a lot bigger than what any Blue Jay fan wants. Um, but, it, you know, it would hurt. The, yeah, the what would it take? That the Blue Jay, I, I, can't, I, I don't even know. Anytime we've tried to speculate about these big deals, they've always fallen short. But um, I, I think it would take, you know, your finest meats and cheeses and then a little <laughs> bit more. Right. Start with Gabriel Moreno and Aurelvis Martinez, and you may have to, to put a Bo Bichette in there. Oh. Juan Soto's the best hitter in Major League Baseball, and he's 23 years old. Um, it, it, whoever gets him is going to give up an absolute ton. And the Blue Jays certainly could give up an absolute ton. And I would be fine with them giving up an absolute ton 
because he's a generational guy. You do not find players like that. I think, you know, if you're going to trade Vladimir Guerrero, what would you expect back? Expect more back for Juan Soto. Wow. Yeah, that's a huge deal. So, other than getting Juan Soto, what would it take in the second half of the season for the Jays to live up to all this promise, all this preseason promise? They're not going to because they're not going to win the division more than likely, right? The New York Yankees have a massive lead. They're on their way to, uh, you know, unless barring a miracle, they're they're going to win, who knows, 110, 115 games. they got a shot at the record. Um, and, but that should not make people more disappointed in the Blue Jays because the Yankees are having this year and they're not. So uh, it, it, the Yankees have blown a lead this big. They have. Uh, and much later in the season than this, but it's been 45 years. Um, so they're not, you know, you can't concede the division to them yet, but they are more than likely going to win the division. So I think p- people who thought the Jays were going to run away with everything and just sweep through the playoffs and win 130 games and, and never, you know, every win was going to be 8-1, to one, they're never going to be happy because they just don't understand how baseball works. Uh, they just want what they want, and they want it now, and they're going to be very upset if they don't get it. Um, but I think that if the Blue Jays can win the top wild card spot, and I think they they should, we should expect them to do that, um, then really that's all that matters. And what the all that matters is getting into the playoffs, really. That top wild card would be great because then you host the first round and, and the road's a little bit easier for you. But all that matters is making the playoffs. We saw that from Atlanta last year. Uh, we saw, we've seen it so many times from so many different teams that win a World Series despite not having the best record in the league, not being a top seed, whatever, not even winning a division. Um, all that matters is being the best team for three weeks in October. And if the Blue Jays can do that, and they are certainly capable of doing that, then nobody's going to remember you know, not beating Kansas City by enough. Or nobody's <laughs> going to remember getting swept in Seattle or, or any of that stuff. Mike Wildner is our guest. Last couple of questions for Mike here on the podcast. We asked Bob Elliott this question too, but so it's only fair we ask you. Who's the greatest Jay you've ever seen? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> um, he said the same thing, actually. <laughs> it's not. It, it's not fair. Roy Halladay, Dave Steve, Carlos Delgado. There you go. Best Blue Jay I've ever seen. That's great, actually. Good top three right yeah. there. Top yeah, three. No, that's the, I think that's a top three. Yeah, Jose Bautista can knock on the door of that, but I, um, those three, absolutely <laughs> the best. Who's had the better MVP year, George Bell, Josh Donaldson, or Vlad last year? Well, Vlad wasn't the MVP. Does I know. that still count? Yeah, but there's argument that he could have been. So, Oh, he should have been. He finished second. I don't know if he should have been. Otani should have been. But he finished second. He was the best MVP who only was either a pitcher or a hitter. <laughs> he was the MVP. Um, I think, you know, statistically, Vlad had the best year of the three of them. He had an OPS over 1,000. The other guys were nowhere close. He had more home runs than Bell or Donaldson. Um, had a higher batting average, I think had a higher on base. Um, so statistically, yeah, but Donaldson did it for a playoff team and Guerrero didn't. I've, I've always had this, you know, 
this issue about MVP having to come from a playoff team because to me that also means well are we talking about most valuable player or most valuable teammates because you no one player can lift a, pl- a team to the playoff spot um, so you know if you just look at the raw numbers Guerrero absolutely had the best year of the three but the year that Donaldson had with all those like game tying and go ahead home runs uh, and far more defensive value than Vladdy had, I, I might give it to Donaldson. Mike, we talk a lot about baseball stadiums on the podcast here. What's your favorite ballpark? That's not fair either. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's absolutely the dome just because that's home, right? I, you know, I was there for the first game they ever played there. Um, I, I, you know, I was there for the last game they ever played at the X, and I loved the X. It was a, it was a dump, but it was our dump, right? <laughs> it was, it was an amazing place, a terrible place. Um, but, but I have spent more time at Sky Dome, Rogers Center, wherever you want to call it, than I've spent anywhere in my entire life, other than my house. Um, so how can it not be right it's it's it's, people you know i think it gets a bad rap and whatever when that place is full um when it's full and it's open it's unbelievable when it's full and it's closed it's still pretty damn good Uh, and there's a winning team there it's it's incredible i mean you know it was closed for every game of the 2015 playoffs and it the atmosphere was unbelievable uh same with 92 and 93 obviously um but yeah, and, and people have asked me my favorite road ballpark too, and I come up with like fourteen. I can't cut it down. There are so many really terrific uh, ballparks out there. When you come to Comerica, let us know. I'll get the first couple of rounds for you. By the way, this already been there this year. Where were you there? <laughs> <laughs> Again, maybe uh, uh, next year. Yeah, maybe a while. Um, anyway. Yeah. In saying that, you know, all this talk about Rogers renovating the Rogers Center and Toronto needing a new ballpark. What do you think about that? I mean, it's it's 30 years old, right? It's it. I think, again, if if Rogers wants to spend the money and build a new ballpark, that's more like remember the name now t-mobile parkish in seattle it's more like the ballpark in san francisco or baltimore um with a, a retractable roof then more power to them rogers I, I i'm not sure that building an entire new stadium is the same sort of like line item error in their overall books that that the blue jays payroll is but they could absolutely do it if they wanted to do it um and and go ahead if they want me to pay for it if they want you to pay for it forget it there's there's nothing wrong with this ballpark and there's nothing wrong with um having uh you know being there for another 20 years um it's crazy i think rogers center is the seventh oldest i think ballpark now in in the major leagues and opened in 1989 that's ridiculous it might be even higher on that list uh, they're going to do some massive renovations in this off season and next off season. It's going to look completely different on the inside, uh, and you know it'd be great to have a nice little thirty-two thousand seater by the lake 
where you can hit home runs into Lake Ontario. Uh, and again, Rogers wants to pay for it. Please do. I'm not paying for it. I paid for this one. And I think they got. So a, did you? Yeah, I think they got an outage to worry about too, and trying to make sure that doesn't happen again as well. Last question from Mike Wilner on the podcast: um, If you could give any advice to a young university, college, aspiring broadcaster, what would you say? I would say the same thing that uh, when I was working at 680 News for years, I used to do the the um, weekend evening sportscast. So I would start at like, I don't know, 5 o'clock on a Saturday and a Sunday. And, and I would get a ride home because the news guy who worked that same shift who was an older, uh, older than me, one of the best radio voices I've ever heard. Uh, his name was David Melbourne. Not sure what he's doing now. Um, but he would give me a ride home because I lived at Bathurst and Steels. He lived at Bayview and Steels. And every day when he dropped me off, as I got out of the car, I said, thank you for the ride. He said to me, you know, it's still not too late to go to dental school. <laughs> And on that note, what a great episode with Mike Wilner. Mike, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was a blast. Our thanks again to Mike Wilner of the Toronto Star, who follows the Blue Jays for joining us to talk a little baseball and about his career, too. Yeah, great career and a great interview uh, talking about the Jays and some awesome stories in there, too. Um, him John, and Cito, eh? Yeah, him and yeah Cito. that was yeah. good to get into. John, I, I want to reflect on one of his comments where do you sit in the Rogers Center uh, enjoyment, or, or is it your favorite stadium like Mike's? Well, you know what's funny is I liked the Rogers Center until I went to other baseball parks. Oh, oh okay. This is the best. <laughs> you're like your own your little bubble. Yeah. And as soon as you leave the bubble, wait. you're like, wait, there's another world. What do you there? mean they all play this game outside everywhere else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I always loved like I thought, oh, it's kind of cool. The Hard Rock cafes in here, the hotel yeah. and the retractable roof, all these neat features. And then when I first went to Detroit and sat outside, I went, oh, this is more like it. The nice backdrop <laughs> of the Detroit skyline. And then we went to Wrigley and Fenway and Yankee Stadium. And then you come back to Toronto and you go, eh, suddenly this isn't so good anymore. Yeah. John, you don't have the biggest, um, the, the longest list of stadiums that you've seen in your lifetime. But man, you've checked off all of the big ones, haven't you? <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't you don't f around with uh, with a great a great American ballpark in Cincinnati. You're only going to like the the cathedrals of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> your your right. stadiums are old Yankee Stadium, old Shea Stadium, Fenway, and the Rogers Center. Yeah, Wrigley, <laughs> Wrigley, Wrigley, yeah. Wrigley and Rogers Center. Yeah, uh, <laughs> top choice. Can you believe the Rogers Center is like 33 years old? I know. We got into this not that long ago, right? Because they yeah, were, yeah, yeah, like yeah. them and, and Tropicana Field were kind of 1-2, and it had been a long time since there was a new stadium. And then right after that is when the Camden Yards of the world started showing up and just changed the the way baseball is, is watched in person. And like really feel like the Rogers Center in like six years was completely out of date. Yeah, I agree. Hey, just another thing about that. Um, where do you guys like to sit? What's your favorite spot in a in a baseball stadium? Well, I 
I actually don't like sitting behind the plate. I don't know if other people feel the exact same way. Mm, interesting. Because I find it difficult to tell if the ball's going out or not. Mm-hmm. I, I always like sitting back there just to watch people but go crazy oh, yeah. about, oh, oh, fly out to seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I traditionally mm-hmm. like sitting in the outfield. Okay. I don't like sitting along the baselines either. I like sitting in the outfield. Interesting. Okay. What about you, John? I like sitting on the first base side, and then I like first base to be a little bit to my right, and then home plate to be a little bit to my left. So then you can see all the bases without having to uh, look around another base. And then most of the action happens over at first, right? Because every player who gets on base goes by Mm -hmm. first. So that's my favorite spot to be. Okay. Okay. I'll, uh, I I would suggest, um, like possibly the probably the third base side, but closer to home plate. I don't mind sitting upstairs. Um, my my thing is I don't I w- don't want an obstructed corner in the outfield. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I, I I don't mind I I don't mind the upper uh, the upper deck in most most ballparks. Um, I wouldn't sit in the five hundreds. I can tell you that. Right. Right. But. Um, I like sitting, if I had to buy a seat for myself, it would probably be near the back of the lower bowl, uh, third base side, but closer to home. Hmm. See, I don't mind the base sides either, but I prefer the outfield for sure. I just looked it up. The Rogers Center is the seventh oldest park in Major League Baseball. eh? Seventh Uh oldest. Uh, six is Kansas City. Yeah. Five is Oakland, which we've talked no. about as a yep. dump. Yeah. Dump. Four is Angel Stadium. Yeah. That's a lot older than it thought it was. Dodger Stadium's three. And then, yeah. And then the big guys. And right? then Wrigley and then Fenway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Time for a new park, boys. Time to go outside. Go down by the water. You had a great plan in place, didn't they? They're not going to spend it. Of course, they're not going to spend it. <laughs> no, they got to upgrade everything after that big outage. They got to apologize and give refunds and all that stuff for their big exactly. network yeah, outage. That's, like, that's why they they're can't. not uh, men enough to trade for Juan Soto, the, the power <laughs> outage. That's what it was. <laughs> Don't worry, we got uh, Lords Guriel. So, uh, Mike Wilner, pretty good guest. So, if you have any uh, show or guest suggestions, or questions for an upcoming debate, send us an email for future considerations at gmail.com. Yeah, it'd be great if like uh, we had listeners that really knew somebody huge too. You know, like you gotta have go through your Rolodex, people, and and share like, oh yeah, I, I've got Tom Selleck's phone number. Ooh, Tom Let's Selleck. Get Tom Selleck on the show. <laughs> I don't know. Where did, yeah. where did you get Tom Selleck from? There's a baseball tie there, right? He was a tie <laughs> right, guy. It was right, it was an old enough right. reference that uh, maybe some people get it. A lot of people are gonna have to Google him. I don't know. Listen, he wore a Tiger's hat, a Magnum PI. Yeah, that's every true. episode. He did. We he saw had a great him. mustache too. We met him in Florida one year. Was he wearing a Tiger's hat? He was at Tiger's spring training. Oh, he was. Even he better. was playing with the the Tigers in spring training, and my mom was all excited. Might have been interested in leaving my father for Tom Selleck at some point. <laughs> and so he's at the sideline signing pictures and all that. And so I was over this. I would have been probably 11, maybe. Um, he's signing pictures and all that stuff. My mom's there, takes a takes a great shot straight on of Tom Selleck. Can't wait to get these developed. We go home. We get them developed. 
My hand is directly in front of his mustache. Oh! <laughs> directly in front. Looks like the pen is going up his nose. It's maybe the worst picture of Tom Selleck ever taken. Can we get our hands on that? And oh, yeah. That I've the, got it. I've, on I, social media? I've got We're it for sure. That. For sure. <laughs> So if you know Tom Selleck, let's get him on the show. Maybe he'll remember me. I know someone who saw Dakota Fanning in the Toronto airport and was so excited to look at the picture that she snapped and got the back of Dakota Fanning's head. It could have been anybody. Oh, that's funny. Could have been anybody. That's a good one. That's a good one. I knew somebody that uh, made eye contact with Ray Liotta at a mall in, uh, in Michigan. And as the story goes... Ray Liotta was there with his kid, and uh, once they made eye contact, he grabbed his daughter and he ran like that place was on fire. Because God forbid Ray Liotta get approached at a Claire's in Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's great! Rest in peace. That's great. I don't know if the rest of peace makes it better or worse. <laughs> it's always worse, John. It's always, always worse. worse. Always worse. <laughs> well, while you're going through your celebrity Rolodex to find our next guest, hop on social media as well. Follow us on Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram for future considerations on Facebook. We want to thank our sponsors, Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you all for listening to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.